This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. The four pillars of the swamp. What is impeding the Trump agenda? That's what we'll be discussing on the show today. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. You are listening to Exposing Washington. I am your host, Walker Wildman. Great to have you with me today. It's going to be a high-energy show. We're going to go cover a lot of news stories today. So keep up. If you can't keep up, you may want to listen to the podcast later, maybe catch it a second time. If you, always want, if you want to catch the podcast at a later day, you can visit AFR.net. AFR.net. Listen to past shows. Listen to past shows. You can also download the podcast on your smartphone. So if you have an iPhone, an Android device, go to the podcast store, type in Exposing Washington, download the podcast, and then you can listen to the show whenever you uh, whenever you want and wherever you are. So uh, uh, download the podcast on your smartphone, on your uh, smart device. Lastly, you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Wildman. At Walker Wildman, shoot me an email, exposingwashington at AFR.net if you'd like. Exposingwashington at AFR.net comes directly to my email box. Today we're going to talk about the four pillars of the swamp and why those pillars are hindering uh, the Trump administration. And today we'll specifically address the first two pillars. And then next week, episode two of this, uh, of, the, of the four pillars of the swamp, we'll talk about the last two pillars of the swamp. And some might argue that there are more pillars, there's more institutions that are blocking conservative uh, items from getting through in Washington, D.C. But to simplify it, I've narrowed it down to four. And in my opinion, these four pillars are the same pillars that might bring down America as we know it, unless the American people step in, intervene, or unless God intervenes and brings a revival to America. So to get started, the first two pillars, number one, the legislative branch. That's the first pillar impeding the Trump agenda. The second pillar is the judicial branch. So to go with the legislative branch first, to start out, Congress has stopped major legislation from passing. Republicans in Congress under a Trump administration have been impeding the Trump agenda, which is an America first agenda, which is a conservative agenda, which I agree with almost unanimously. And many, much of the good legislation that is sitting in Congress hasn't even been brought up for a vote. A couple, just to name a few, Kate's Law. Kate's Law would heavily penalize and jail 
repeat offenders, repeat illegal immigrants, those who cross our border illegally more than one time. Kate's law would put us a, 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 a serious would put ge- serious jail time on that. Well, Republicans in Congress have failed to bring that up, specifically the Senate. The next bill I can think about, and this is relates to, re- to immigration, is what I call the Goodlett Bill. And that's Representative Congressman Bob Goodlett, I believe is his name. And he has an excellent immigration bill, which would kind of meet everyone in the middle when it comes to immigration. It tightens up our immigration system and it cuts down on illegal immigration. And it provides an option for those who are here currently illegally. That's the Goodlett bill. Paul Ryan in the House has yet to bring that up for a vote on the floor. Matter of fact, I don't even think it's been brought up for a vote in committee. The last legislation that has not been brought up under a Trump administration but should be is a standalone defund Planned Parenthood bill, a bill that stops sending money to baby killers. Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell have not brought this bill up for a vote in each in either or either chamber of Cong- of congress and then uh, to to add to this much of the legislation that congress does pass and they have passed in the past year or so is bad legislation off the top of my head i'm thinking about these bloated spending bills they pass who knows where the money goes not me the bills are 1000 plus pages They're introduced 24 hours before a vote, if you're lucky, and no one knows where all the money goes. That's happening under Republicans in Congress. I'm going to play clip one here. This is President Trump frustrated, I believe a few months ago, back in March, when Congress passed another bloated spending bill. Let's listen to what President Trump had to say. But I say to Congress, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. Some people don't even know what it is. $1.3 trillion. It's the second largest ever. President Obama signed one that was actually larger, which I'm sure he wasn't too happy with either. But in this case, it became so big because we need to take care of our military. And because the Democrats, who don't believe in that, added things that they wanted in order to get their votes. This is how President Trump, I mean, I'm sorry, this is how the swamp funds its special interest. They pass massive spending bills that nobody knows what's in it, and I'll almost bet you 100% if you track the money in the bill, it goes to special interest. When I say special interest, what am I talking about? What are you talking about, Walker? I'm talking about you'll often find out that much of the federal aid money, the federal dollars, tax dollars that is kind of handed out throughout the country, it goes to folks who have special interest in Washington, D.C., lobbyists, if you will. It goes to folks who then turn around and, and, and give money to campaigns to put the swamp rats back in Washington, D.C. I'll almost guarantee it. Not all of the money goes to that, but a large portion of it goes to special interest. Goes to special interest.
And, and, and another thing, Congress works two and a half days a week. On average, they work two and a half days a week. They fly in on Monday evening, work Tuesday, Wednesday if we're lucky, and Thursday at lunch, they're headed home. Two and a half days they work. Meanwhile, the rest of America is working five days a week, minimum. If you've got a 40 hour a week, uh, uh, 40 hours a week job in America, you're lucky. If you work 40 hours a week, you're doing pretty good. Most people work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, especially if you're in the manufacturing industry. And so Congress works two and a half days a week. And then when the budget comes due, they scramble around like they didn't know it was coming. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there is a budget due on September 30th of 2018. That's a little over six months away, maybe a little less. Yeah, that's a lot less than six months away now that I'm doing my math. Um, I did not major in algebra (laughs) or trigonometry. But nonetheless, we're a couple months out from September, and a budget is due. Guess what Congress is doing? Nothing. They took the entire Memorial Day week off. But in September, they're going to scramble around and act like they didn't know it was coming. So that's another way that Congress maintains status quo and stops the Trump agenda. Another way that Congress blocks the Trump agenda is they use procedure and rules to block conservative legislation and conservative nominees. The 60-vote threshold is a prime example. The Senate has to have 60 votes to pass anything in the Senate. And so what they do is they go, well, you know, we just don't have the votes. We can't build the border wall that we all promised. Ah, we just don't have the votes. We can't defund the the baby killers, Planned Parenthood. Ah, we just don't have the votes. We can't pass good spending bills, responsible spending bills. Ah, we just don't have the votes. But you all of a sudden have the votes to pass horrible spending bills. So it sounds like we need new representatives in Washington. (laughs) And I know that's not breaking news to my listeners. To add to this, another way that Congress blocks the Trump agenda, they fail to go on recess. And in, in, in result, they block any recess appointments. I'm reading from a news store dating back to uh, August of 2017. August of 2017, the headline out of the Hill, Senate blocks Trump from making recess appointments over the break. Senator Lisa Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, a Republican, doing wrap-up for the entire Senate locked in nine, quote, pro forma sessions, brief meetings that that normally last roughly a minute. What I'm saying there, to to simplify this for your average Joe, which I am, to simplify this, if Congress would go on vacation, quote, vacation, go on recess, they call it. Every time they go on recess, technically, if they would declare that recess, then President Trump could make what's called recess appointments. And that is temporary appointments to fill positions in the government that need to be filled. But instead, Republicans in the Senate and the House fail to go on recess. Instead, they hold these 30-second sessions 
each day when they're on vacation just to stop President Trump from making recess appointments. You can read more at AFR.net on my podcast page, Exposing Washington podcast page at AFR.net if you want to kind of study more into this. But a prime example is on Thursday, May 31st, 2018, which was yesterday, two days ago, I'm sorry, on, on this past Thursday, May 31st, 2018, the Senate met for 30 seconds. They convened, and when I say the Senate, it was uh, one or two senators, not all, fi- not all 100. They convened at 11.30 and six seconds, so basically 11.30 with six seconds in the morning, and then they, they ended... They adjourned at 11.30 and 36 seconds. <laughs> so they were in session for 30 seconds. What's the sole purpose? Hey, let's block President Trump, even though we're all Republicans. Republicans are in charge up here. Hey, let's block President Trump. Why don't we? Thwart the will of the people? Well, you say, well, you know, don't they usually block all the presidents from making recess appointments? No, they don't. President Obama made 32 recess appointments. President Clinton made 140 recess appointments. And President George W. Bush made 171 recess appointments. So it is Republicans blocking President Trump's appointments. Shame on them. Shame on Mitch McConnell and all other 51 Republican senators who block President Trump's recess appointments. Because if I understand the Senate rules correctly, all it takes is one senator to object to to doing these pro forma sessions, and then the Senate would either have to stay in Washington and work or actually go on recess and allow President Trump to make recess appointments. Another aspect of the swamp and Congress blocking a Trump agenda, the first pillar of the swamp, is Congress. This is a story that dates back from to October of 2017. Re- Senator John Cornyn of Texas, this is the headline, Senator John Cornyn of Texas holds conservative nominee hostage for swamp kickback. Oh, you got to love the conservative review. That's the headline out of the conservative review. Here, I'm reading directly from the story. In the, in the approximately swampy fashion of the Washington cartel, gotta love the name, the number two Republican in the Senate held a critical Trump administration nominee hostage to extract billions more in federal tax dollars for pork-laden handouts in the name of, quote, hurricane relief to his special interest back in Texas. This will be posted on the podcast page at AFR.net, exposing Washington page at AFR.net. But Senator John Cornyn, Republican out of Texas, he blocked Russell Vaught, a top nominee for the, for, for the Trump administration, all because poor Texas needed billions of more federal tax dollars in hurricane aid. No, they didn't need any more money. They already got their aid several months back. But John Cornyn just wanted to hold up the Trump agenda so he could get his special interest paid for. This is what I talked about at the beginning of the show when I said 
that they pass these bloated spending bills and it goes to special interest. That's a prime example. Senator John Cornyn of Texas, shame on you, sir. Another thing, (laughs) another aspect of the swamp is senators teaming up to protect the phony Russia investigation. I'm going to play clip two here. This is an MSNBC report from March on how the Senate is protecting Robert Mueller, or at least trying to. Let's listen. Tonight, Republican Senator Tom Tillis and Democratic Senator Chris Coons, the two senators who last year introduced actual legislation to protect Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller's job, released a statement calling on President Trump to let Robert Mueller's investigation proceed, quote, without impediment. The senators said, quote, the American people should have confidence in the Department of Justice ability to conduct independent investigations and its commitment to the rule of law. We urge President Trump to allow the special counsel to complete his work without impediment, which is in the best interest of the American people, the president and our nation. And now nine Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee have sent letters to high ranking Justice Department officials saying, we ask that you publicly commit to refuse any order or request, whether express or implied, to interfere in the special counsel's investigation, including but not limited to firing Mr. Mueller, cutting off funding or resources, limiting staffing, or inhibiting his ability to follow the facts wherever they may lead and hold those accountable who may have broken the law. So that is the last important fact that I want I want to leave it here. Congress, specifically the Senate, I, I you know, I can maybe count on one hand some good guys that are in the Senate, but that's it. And there's fifty one Republicans up there. And so that MSNBC report covers two things. First, the Senate is working overtime to protect Robert Mueller and his corrupt and unnecessary investigation. Might I mention the investigation into no crime, which is illegal. The second thing that the MSNBC report highlighted there is that these senators are sending letters to the Department of Justice, high high officials at the Department of Justice, basically saying, basically encouraging DOJ officials to thwart the chain of command. They're saying if President Trump, you know, urges you to do this or that, will you ignore him? Will you will you refuse to carry out these orders? That right there is called disobedience at the highest levels. If you don't want to carry out the job, then quit the job. Anyways, Congress works overtime to impede the Trump agenda, despite the fact it is operated by Republicans. The second pillar of the swamp that I want to move on to towards the end of this segment is the judicial branch. The judicial branch is used in various ways to usurp the will of the people and impede the Trump agenda. Over the decades, judges who don't adhere to the Constitution have been put in power. And instead of ruling based on original intent, which is the intent of our founding fathers when they wrote the Constitution, they rule based on subjective grounds. Basically, they rule on their own personal opinion, which can change day to day. And not only are judges making bad rulings, they're applying it to the entire country 
It's this thing called nationwide injunctions. And I know that's a fancy term, a fancy legalese term, but basically what a nationwide injunction is is one of these rulings from a federal judge that applies to the entire country. It's a fairly modern phenomenon. And a prime example of this is clip three. This is a judge in Washington, in the state of Washington, one of the first judges who blocked President Trump's legal travel executive order, which restricted travel from certain terrorist-prone countries. Let's listen. This TRO is granted on a nationwide basis and prohibits enforcement of Sections 3C, 5A, 5B, 5C, and 5E of the executive order at all United States borders and ports of entry pending further orders from this court. That was a judge in Washington State um, nearly a year ago, I guess you could say, maybe a little over a year back. In the early months of the Trump presidency, you all remember, each of you remember, you can tell I'm from Mississippi. I say you all. <laughs> Maybe not proper English, but we like saying y'all in, in the South. But you all right, might remember that President Trump issued a legal and lawful executive order which restricted travel from seven terrorist-prone countries. Countries, seven countries that the Obama administration said, hey, we don't have enough information on the folks coming from this country, so maybe we need to restrict some travel from these countries so we don't have jihadis and Islamic terrorists coming into America blowing up our cities. Huh, that makes sense. Thank you, Obama administration, for that recommendation. So President Trump carried out the recommendation from the Obama administration and the judge in Washington put a nationwide injunction on the Trump administration and blocked the entire executive order from going through, or at least most of it. And this is absolutely unacceptable. Base, the, the, the reasoning usually, the typical reasoning that you'll hear from the liberal law professors on on these nationwide injunctions, injunctions is they'll say, and I'm mocking them here, is they'll say, well, you know, we just need uniformity in our law system. What does that mean, Walker, uniformity? Well, we just what we need is everybody needs to live under the same laws. That's what they say. You know, it, it just gets too confusing if, if, you know, one state's living under one law and then another state's living under another, you know. So let's just, let's just make it simple. And let's apply these federal rulings across the entire country. Let me break it to you. That is not how our founding fathers set up the judiciary. Our founding fathers and Congress together set up the judicial branch in a manner where each judge, each district has its own authority. For example, a federal district judge has authority over that district that the judge is in. Congress outlines the districts specifically. Another example, let's just take the Fifth Circuit District uh, uh, Court of Appeals. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans, Louisiana. 
All right. They cover, I'm going to butcher this because I don't 100% know, but roughly they cover, I know for sure, obviously Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, maybe Arkansas, and maybe a couple more states, but you get the idea. The Fifth Circuit in New Orleans, Louisiana, covers the mid-southern region of the United States. And so that's, that's, their, that's their jurisdiction, if you will, those states that they cover. But what these judges are doing is they're going outside of their jurisdiction and they're placing these, quote, nationwide injunctions on the entire country. And I, and I believe at a minimum it's unconstitutional, but I think it might even be illegal. Because I don't know how a judge in one district can tell citizens of another district what to do. The way it should work is those involved in the lawsuit, that's who the ruling applies to. For example, if you have, uh, let's just say, Jane Doe and John Smith, all right, they're suing each other over, um, uh, over a hamburger. One of them likes a hamburger, the other one doesn't, and they're suing each other. I know this is a very uh, funny anal- uh, analogy here, but but Jane and Joe or John, Jane and J- John are suing each other over a hamburger, and the judge issues the ruling nationwide. The judge issues the ruling over the hamburger nationwide. So so people who aren't even involved in the case have to live under the under the ruling. That's not how it's supposed to work. The only court that should ha- be able to issue nationwide rulings is the Supreme Court. Is the Supreme Court. And the solution that I have for these judges who think they can issue nationwide rulings, even though they can't, they're not supposed to, is something called impeachment. And it's very uncommon, but I think we need to start making it more common. Just because it's uncommon doesn't mean it's not right. I think we need to start impeaching judges who exceed their constitutional authority. So any judge who issues a nationwide ruling, with the exception of the Supreme Court, they should be brought up on articles of impeachment. Because if we don't start holding these judges accountable who are blocking lawful and constitutional laws, then... Basically, we have hundreds of little Supreme Courts. We basically have hundreds of justices. I mean, the Supreme Court would become irrelevant. The Supreme Court actually has become irrelevant to a certain extent because our Congress and the American people have allowed judges to exceed their authority, and it's time we stop it. So the legislative branch and the judicial branches, two branches of the government, they're two pillars of the swamp. These institutions can be used for good, but we must take them back. Thanks for listening to Exposing Washington. Come back next week for Episode 2 of The Four Pillars of the Swamp. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.